Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. We preview film productions and events in the region and speak with creative entrepreneurs as Erie carves out its part in the wider industry landscape. My name is Jesse Olszewski. I'm a filmmaker and project coordinator at the Greater Erie Film Office. I'm Erica Berlin. I'm the president of the Film Society of Northwestern PA. And I'm John Lyons, the executive director of the Film Society, a filmmaker and teaching artist. And on this week's agenda, we're going to talk about Film Grain Dinner and a Movie at the Bourbon Barrel, which is presenting two Erie premieres, the first one being The Nightingale, and the other being locally produced short film Flower. Our guest filmmaker today is Jim Morton. We're going to be talking to him later. And after that, we're going to do a roundtable discussion on script writing. So you've written a script. Now what? What are the next steps? All right. So let's talk about Film Grain this week. Film Grain Dinner and a Movie is our Wednesday night film series. It takes place at the Bourbon Barrel, 1213 State Street in downtown Erie, PA. This series features a big screen, couch and table seating options, and great company. Dinner is buffet style and included with your admission. Vegetarian options available every week and gluten-free on request. Plus table service all night long. Reserve your seats when you order online at filmsocietynwpa.org. So Wednesday we're screening two films for the first time ever. In Erie. The first is a locally produced short film, Flower, which some person in the room, I believe, worked on. I did. Jesse Olszewski. Um, this is from Grant Larson Productions. And following that is the new film, The Nightingale, from Jennifer Kent, who was the director of The Babadook. The Nightingale premiered at the Venice Film Festival and walked away with two major awards one for acting, and the other was the Special Jury Prize. So, The Nightingale is set in 1825, and it follows Claire, who is a young Irish convict. She's played by Aisling Franchosi, um, who you may recognize from Game of Thrones and The Fall. She chases a British officer through the rugged Tasmanian wilderness, bent on revenge for a terrible act of violence committed against her family. On the way, she enlists the services of an aboriginal tracker named Billy, who is also marked by trauma from his own violence-filled past. So this is a heavy movie. Um, it's a dark, realistic look at colonialism, oppression, and a meditation on the consequences of violence and the price of vengeance. It's rated R for strong, violent, and disturbing content, including rape, so be aware before going into the film. The first half hour has a couple very intense moments. Um, when Kent uh, had the Australian premiere in her home country at the Sydney Film Festival uh, to a sold-out audience, there were some walkouts in the first half oh hour boy. of the screening. But she said that making this film um, was very important to her to depict these crimes as realistically as possible to indigenous people um, and as, as I said, as far as colonialism. Um, and she said that making this film was the hardest thing she's ever done. She said that she cried almost every day during production and post-production. Wow. But the subject matter this movie. made her cry? Yeah. Or the stress of making a film? I think, um, yeah, the subject matter mm -hmm. and, and looking at um, her own country and its dark past. Uh. Um, not just violence towards women, um, but towards indigenous peoples yeah. as well. So the music in the trailer 
yeah. kind of scares me. So is there a supernatural element to this? Because it kind of has a scary vibe to it. There is not. Okay. Um, Which is good. Yeah. That's good because yeah. that's really not my jam. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, the Babadook scared the crap out of me. Yeah. Um, even now, you know, I'll be hanging around the house and Mike will come around a corner and he'll... He'll do the voice. He'll do the voice. Oh, man. Oh, my that's gosh. Creepy. I can't deal, so... Yeah. Good. Um, and then Flower uh, is the short. Maybe, Jesse, you want to give us a little preview about yeah. Flower? Uh, Flower is very short, a um, little over five minutes long, but it essentially is a zomcom, zombie, zombie? Wow, I've never heard that term before. Zom, zombie comedy, uh, dark humor, very fun, uh, just a quick little short, but one that Grant Larson Productions put a lot of resources and effort into make. Uh, they brought all of the L.A. team to Erie. They hired a, a whole team of locals to work on the crew. And then over 50% of the crew were actually women on this project, which is something Grant Larson really uh, advocates for. So That's right. It's a great little film. That's awesome. And um, will and the filmmakers be there? Uh, a lot of the local crew that worked on it, we've invited um, a lot of the L.A. crew are knee-deep in other projects out sure. there on the west side. Um, I'll be there. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah, we'll, we'll invite everybody up and um, sure. say some words. Yeah, cool. So it's going to be a great night. Two new films. Um, pre-sales are available through our website, filmsocietynwpa.org. Hope to see you there. Okay, I'm going to introduce Jim Morton, and uh, I don't want to give too much away, but a fun story is that many moons ago, Jim and I worked at Best Buy together. That's right. Very long time ago, and then I moved to Hollywood, I came back to Erie, and I got uh, involved with some local filmmakers, and Jim was like, hey, you know, I, I write scripts, and I've got some stories we should totally tackle. A little over a year ago, I think, we shot one he wrote. And uh, we recently did a reshoot of that film, and I'll, I'll let him talk a little bit about that. All right. I appreciate you guys having me here. Welcome, um, sir. Yeah, welcome. Thanks for coming. Uh, so Help Me is the name of the film. Um, basically, it has to do with a man who suffers from schizophrenia, and he it's very hard to try to explain much of this movie without giving anything away. Um, but his wife is essentially held hostage inside of his own home, and he is searching around trying to find her before something bad happens to her. Oh, boy. Is it feature length or short? It's a short. It's only going to be, what, seven, eight minutes long? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a short. Um, but the idea is to be uh, fairly impactful. It's got a deeper meaning than what it seems to have on the surface. Uh, yeah, it definitely has uh, some disorienting uh, themes where... You're not sure what's real, what's not, what's happening, what isn't. Um, right. Really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Schizophrenia in general is terrifying. Absolutely. I mean, if you've ever known anybody with that kind of mental illness that's untreated, um, I, yeah, did, I tried to do as much life. research as I could on schizophrenia while I was writing this script. It took me 
even though it's a short and it was only it only ended up being six pages long um i think i did uh, six months to a year's worth of research on schizophrenia to really understand it as much as i can without suffering from the disease itself <laughs> you know you did your homework yeah and i tried so i think i heard this already based on the introduction but i will ask you you know when you started out, did you want to make a movie or were you looking to write a script? I think those are two different things. I had no intention of directing a film <laughs> when I started this <laughs> whatsoever. Um, it all started back in, when I was in high school. Um, I wrote a lot of things, a lot, wrote a lot of short stories based on things that I knew. Um, I was a major dork and a geek back in high school. I played magic cards. I played D&D. So yeah, too. but nerds make um, the best people when they grow they up. Oh, yeah. America. <laughs> Um, but because of that, I developed a knack of being able to tell stories. Um, it didn't dawn on me at that point in time that I was, you know, w- what I should do with that. I was, ju- it was just fun to do. In fact, I went to, after high school, I went to college for computer-aided drafting. So completely, wow. yeah, not even close. Realized after, very quickly that was not for me. Hmm. I was in Pittsburgh, went to the Pittsburgh Technical Institute. Came back to Erie, and uh, my father-in-law got me a job at Lord's over on 12th Street, and... Um, Ooh, exciting. Yeah, it was just a temp job, making seven bucks an hour, just doing what people making 20 bucks an hour were doing. After mm. a year, uh, yeah, right? After a year of that, um, I quit there and uh, decided to go back to school and came to Edinburgh for a couple of years. Um, and that's kind of where I... Well, two things happened there, and I think that's really the turn of my life was I came to Edinburgh, and I had to get a part-time job at least while I was going to school, and so I got hired at Best Buy. Best Buy, which is where I met Jesse. Um, That—that's one of the things that changed your life. It is. It is indeed one of the things that changed my life. M- maybe for the good. Uh, just, just kidding. That, that's not one of them. Well, you met you met a kindred spirit sure. in Jesse. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's we, interesting, we didn't really connect not on at that. All. Absolutely not at all. Creative um, level mm. till like a decade later. Right. I mean, I was, I had ideas floating around my head that I wanted to write down, but I, I didn't know anything about script writing whatsoever. Um, I was just, I was writing them in like novel form and he left and I heard that he had gone to Hollywood and I was like, oh, that's cool. I wish I could do that. And I continued to write, but while I was going to Edinburgh to back up, went to Edinburgh initially for um, music education and I failed the music audition. <laughs> <laughs> no. 100%. What's your instrument? It was, I, I played wind instruments. So I tried, mellophone is really what I really was good at, mel- mellophone, uh, French horn. Um, but I took the audition no with, with yeah. trumpet. Yeah, I took the audition with trumpet, which is mistake number one. So I decided to continue at Edinburgh undeclared. And then eventually after six months decided to um, go the route of English writing. And then I met a couple people in my writing classes that were also in theater. So I decided to minor in theater. That is kind of where I, I found that I have an ability to, to direct. I'm not, I don't like being in front of a camera. I prefer to be behind the scenes. I'm not a, I, I, I tend to freeze when the camera's in my face. Being able to say, okay, you needed this, you needed this, this is what I'm envisioning, so this has to happen before this can happen. You know, that, I, I did have a slight knack for that. I tried to get a movie going while I w- with some of the students here. It didn't work out. Um, it, I think this was before Edinburgh really had a, a real good um, media, like, you know, like the cameras and the, the equipment needed to do it weren't readily available. How long ago was this? Um, 2005, I okay. think. 
so after that, I, after two years of going to Edinburgh, I actually uh, quit. After I left Edinburgh, I decided to go to college a couple more places, did online classes, went to uh, Florida Tech for um, business, and again, didn't didn't succeed there either. So I try, get, tried to give it one more try at uh, Ashford University for the same thing for business, and again, failed. So I just I'm done with school. No more. I've had enough. I've, I've got a lot of student debt and nothing to show for it. So moral of the story, if you're going to go to school, finish it. After that, there was a, a lull in my writing. I decided to stop writing for a while, and I decided to try my hand at at um, singing music, try to record mm. myself. I bought audio equipment and tried to do that. Wait, so what, while you were in school, sorry yeah. to interrupt. That's fine. You were writing that whole time. I was... I had ideas. I wrote ideas down. I never actually did anything with them. So I've got probably a notebook at home that's just full of ideas, but there's nothing. Great. Yeah. yeah dust that off. Right? Yeah. That's, you have a lifetime ahead of you to keep writing. That's the idea. Try my head at some singing. Um, and uh, I, th- I started following this acapella artist, Peter Hollins. He's great. He is. He's a phenomenal artist. And where and he's a truly good, genuine person. And that's kind of what I try to, to gravitate myself towards, the people who are just good people. Peter Hollins... I messaged him one day, just on a whim, because my kids were, I think, three and four, my two girls at the time. and So you had time to, like, meet a woman, have some kids, <laughs> all in there, too. Yeah, yeah. I, um, to this and I got married to my high school sweetheart, um, Katie. Had a couple of kids, and, again, I was doing the singing thing, and the kids really liked his music, and I, I was infatuated with his, with his ability to take uh, his voice and record his himself doing... 93 different tracks of of a song and then mashing it all together to make it sound like it's a chorus when it's just him it was just blown it blew me away yeah. i'll just add that he's one of the top um content creators through patreon and it's how it's part of oh. why he's so well known absolutely because he is one of the pioneers that really built that platform and he makes like I don't know, something like five figures a month Absolutely. through that platform. Yes, he does. But, but he's really good about connecting with yeah, his fans. Definitely. Um, he has, depending on your tier in the, in the Patreon, he, he reaches out and connects to um, to his patrons and his fans. Fun, funny story about that is that I, I was a Patreon of his, not for very long, um, and he was releasing a, a Christmas album. And I got an email from him uh, randomly one day, and he said, hey, would you be interested in taking a listen to my Christmas album before it's released and give me your feedback? Wow. I said, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so he sent it to me, and I listened to all the tracks, and there was tracks on there from joint songs with, with him and uh, another group, like Home Free was, was one that he did a song with. There was a whole bunch of artists. Sent him my feedback, and he sent me a, a free copy of the CD sign after that, which was cool. Before all that, and going back to my, my daughter, she, her birthday was coming up, and I, I randomly sent him a message one day, and he, asking if he would, you know, give her a shout out, saying, tell her happy birthday. She, mm-hmm. she would, she would just die if, if uh, <laughs> she's only four at the time, but she was just so infatuated with, because he was doing a lot of Disney songs at the time. He responded within a couple of days saying, absolutely. And he, he was going to do a video recording, but didn't have the time. So he just wrote a long message, which I still have, uh, an email wishing her happy birthday personally with a photo of himself. It was it was really cool. He's just a very genuine down-to-earth person. I was doing music and trying to record myself, and it, I thought it was doing okay. Um, apparently, my wife didn't think so. <laughs> because a year later for Christmas, she... I didn't ask for this, but she 
bought me a laptop and she bought me uh, Final Draft 10 and said, here, this is what you're good at. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) Intent. Right? So I was like, oh, okay. So I did that. And not long after that, I submitted my first screenplay to the Erie Screenplay Competition, which didn't place, but that's where I connected with Jesse again because he was there. It was the one that they had at the uh, the art museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the uh, screenplay and short film competition through that's the right. Greater Erie Film right. Office. Yep. Yep. Um, my, it didn't place whatsoever, but it, it gave me the opportunity to connect with Jesse, and um, we worked on a couple other things since then. And yeah, so here we are. Wow, great stuff. Yeah, wow. This is so you're truly an all around artist. I, yeah, I, I mean, try. someone <laughs> who can write and do music. Yeah. I mean, that's. You're, you're pretty talented. I, thank you. I, th- I appreciate that. I'm a very humble person. I don't like to be told that I'm good at something. <laughs> well, you're magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> and what I love about music, too, like writing and music, you can do that for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. You know, my grandfather was a musician and a music teacher. Nice. And uh, he played in a ton of community bands until his last few months of life wow. he was playing with bands because it just keeps you so sharp it, it's a passion it's a love and remember we screened that film i think it was called was it alive inside or oh, something yeah. mm-hmm. we screened a film about alzheimer's patients and they would put headphones mm-hmm. on these patients and right. it would play their favorite songs or music right. from their past and they would literally come back to life yeah. and then they would take the headphones off and they would slowly fade back mm-hmm. but into... But you could have a conversation. But you could have a conversation. Yeah. I mean, it was it was incredible. While I was doing my research with schizophrenia, I did stumble across them, some things like that, um, with people with dementia, Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and they would put headphones on these people that are suffering. It would be specific music, like music from, like say, like their 20s, or thing, mm-hmm. you know, time time periods were maybe, maybe the time when they got married or, or something like that, and they would put them on, they would just come back for mm-hmm. that moment. Yeah. It, it was inc- yeah, it's incredible. Sometimes they, they could get, get back into dancing and, like, yeah. the, the, t- the kind of dancing they did in their youth, and it's like they never missed it. It Absolutely. just wakes Powerful. up some part of their brain. Yep. It activates something. So I just, I love that. And so do you think you're passing that on to your daughters? I'm hoping. I'm hoping that they decide to do something. I have a son, too. I have three kids. Um, he He's... They're all adorable. Yeah, he's going to be, I think he's going to be the one, the most the most outgoing of all of them. So he might be the one to actually, like, jump onto a stage or uh, pick up an instrument. You know, my daughter, my oldest daughter, um, Mackenzie, she is, her her idol is Lindsey Sterling. Love Lindsey Sterling. Yeah, she, and so, she, so much that she, we actually bought um, her a, a violin, a green violin, because that was her favorite color at the time. Um <laughs> And she wanted to take violin lessons. We haven't got there yet. We're working on it. But, um, yeah, she wants to She wants to play violin. Did you happen to see Lindsay when she came to the Warner? No, because we were in Myrtle Beach at the time. Oh, well, that's a good reason. However, we were in Cleveland, and we um, every year my, my, my family go to my wife's uncle's house in Cleveland, and we all go to um, uh, the Cleveland Zoo. It's a yearly thing that we do. I think it was two years ago now. Lindsay was in Cleveland. And we surprised Kenzie, and my wife took her to go see her. So she did get to go see her. It was pretty cool. So how often do you write now, and and what have you found is your writing process since getting this laptop and (laughs) (laughs) Well, funny you say that, is because, like I said, I hadn't been writing in script form whatsoever. I self-taught myself how to do that with that program. You know, um, I had no one to teach me how to do that. 
Um, had I gone to school for that, like gone to a film school or something like that, then it would have been a whole other story. But yeah, as far as how often I write, I write whenever an idea comes to me. It, there's no time of day where I sit down and say, okay, I'm going to think of something now. No, it doesn't, that's not the way it works. Yeah. Uh, I, I work as a mechanic at EMTA, um, as a bus mechanic, and I'll be working on something there and all of a sudden be like, oh my God, that's that would make a really good film. So I have to stop what I'm doing. I'm the same way. Yeah. It's usually in the shower. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then I have to try and remember it. Yeah. And, it, it's stupid how it, they come to you at the most inconvenient times, yeah. but you gotta you gotta either remember it or which doesn't happen, or write it down or record yourself talking about it something. Yeah. You know? So I'll pull out my phone, pull out my recorder, and I'll just talk about it and then save it for later. It's um, like Jerry Seinfeld has an idea in the middle of the night and he has his notepad and then he picks it up the next morning. He's like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Do you yeah. ever confuse yourself? Do you ever say, I don't know what this is? Not often, because I, I know that I have a poor memory. So, mm-hmm. so I when I record myself saying anything, it's it's in detail. Like so I don't forget where I was where my mind was at that point. I, I at least have four different script ideas that I've actually started writing the script for, um, as of right now. And I jump all around. You mm-hmm. can't stick with one and finish it because you get stuck. You get writer's block. So you have to work on one for a little bit. You just jump around. Have you guys ever heard of um, that master class? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I took Aaron Sorkin's oh, wow. master class, oh. which was the closest to any kind of schooling that I've had in, in writing. But it was an eye-opener. If there's any screenwriters out there that are looking to get some good info, take Aaron Sorkin's master class. It is well worth the money. Um, I think it's like 90 bucks to take it and but wow. you have it forever yeah you know, it's mm-hmm. not like you have it for a limited time you yeah. have it you have it so you can always go back and re-listen to it over and over again just absorb everything he did a round table in that with some other writers after because he wrote uh the show the west wing for the first four or five seasons and then he left um but he did a round table and he hadn't watched any episodes of the of the or any seasons of the west wing after he left the show he didn't want to hate the show but uh he took this group of six writers and said, okay, based on the last episode of the one that I wrote, where do you go from here? So they wrote the next episode of the, sh- of the show without knowing what the show was, mm-hmm. uh, what the episode was already, because it had already been made. So it was a really cool writing exercise. But yeah, what, that was one of the things that I took from him was if you're writing, you can't stick with one thing and just end it you know, from uh, start to finish you have to jump around otherwise you're going to get writer's block and get stuck and get frustrated with yourself it's just it's a, it's a bad situation so the four ideas you have going right now <laughs> how connected are they to each other in terms of theme they're not not okay. even close uh one's a comedy well that one's done and now they think about it that one took third at the last screenwriting mm-hmm. competition and that was the one eric brown i think won that one yeah now that th- this current one help me is done i, I think i want to tackle that i think i want to try to make that one Nice. I think it'll be fun. Comedies um, are always fun, right? The other two are features. That 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 one's a, a short, but this uh, these other two are, are features. One's a sci-fi, uh, has to do with uh, virtual reality, and the other one is um, similar, I guess, to what Help Me is as far as it being a thriller, um, but it takes place up in a, a remote area, cabin in the woods type deal. Um, but it's instead of it being like a group of people, like say. Um, the Italian Job or uh, Ocean's Eleven, that kind of thing. It is, it's a group of, of bank robbers that have just finished their their job, and they all meet back at this location to split, you know, what they stole. 
and they all start getting after each other and then one by one they start getting picked off by somebody and so it's a whodunit who's 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 doing that i like i like it too so these are in progress these are in progress yep they don't even have titles yet how, how do you balance it all very carefully. <laughs> I mean, working it, for EMCA, family. It's yeah. it's tough. You got to find time. Usually, because I work third shift, so during there's a time, a very small window of opportunity for me to write. When my wife's at school, kids are, are at school. My wife's working. She's a teacher, so uh, when they're all at school, I'm home by myself. I should be sleeping, but I, there's a window of opportunity there where I can I can write a couple things and and then go sleep or vice versa. And how many people do you think do exactly what you do, which is have they no have idea. side passion, they but they have a full-time job. I'd They're like trying to, to balance think I'm not too. the only one. <laughs> Trust me, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, and I don't have any stats to back this up, but I feel that there's a, a good 50-50 split between people who went to school, this is it, this is what their job is, they're going to succeed or they're going to drown. You know, or And then there's that other half that are doing exactly what I'm doing. They're just doing it when they can and just hoping one day they get a good break. Yeah, so I think that's a nice transition into the discussion, mm-hmm. which is talking about, okay, so you have your script, mm-hmm. and then what are your options? You know, are you sending your script off to whoever to get it evaluated and maybe rejected or, or what do you do with I, that script? I had thought about this for, for a while. After I finished Help Me, I decided to send it to some screenplay competitions and just see what people thought, you know, getting outside opinions. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you have to have some really thick skin with writing and sending it to because you're going to get feedback and it's most likely not going to be what you want. Um, once in a while you get somebody that says, oh, that was awesome. But that doesn't happen often. Um, well, the bad feedback sometimes is more valuable anyway. Exactly. So you got to get some thick skin and then use it. Take that criticism you're getting and, you know, you can either listen to it and continue doing what you're doing or you can ignore it and remain where you're at. But So I sent it off to six or seven different competitions, screenplay competitions. Um, most of them didn't even make the semifinal list, which I expected. You know, I didn't really expect to uh, get far on any of them. However, one, one judge apparently really liked it. And, um, I submitted it to one called 13 horror.com. Um, it's a specific horror genre, uh, screenplay competition. Thousands of people send their, they have shorts and then they have features. So there are, there is a separation there. So I sent mine off and I didn't really, again, I didn't expect anything of it. Um, and then when they released the semifinalist, my name was on there. I was like, Oh, whole, whole wow. Okay. You know, that, Again, so how how many scripts was that? That was eighty, eighty scripts out of, and that was the semifinal list. Um, out of like a thousand? Oh, I, I'm not sure how many were. Uh, I, I would assume somewhere between one and two thousand. So I'm like, all right. And then they said in the next couple of weeks they'll be announcing the finalist lists, and if you get on the finalist list, uh, which is thirteen, hence the name, your script gets published. I was again, I wasn't expecting. I finished top ten. Um, that's awesome. So they uh, hooked me up with um, Dizzy Emu, which is a publishing company, um, right? Yeah, I, I laughed too. It's what okay. It? <laughs> Dizzy Emu. Dizzy no. Emu. Like a big bird. Yeah, I know what it is. Spinning around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's the name of the publishing company, and they uh, they they uh, asked me if I wanted to make any changes to it whatsoever. I said no. It's I mean, it did well right now. So, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's on Amazon. You can buy it right now. Okay, okay so, so it's on Amazon. Yep, I own every right to it. Um, the way that publication works, uh, I get um, 80% or 85% of of uh, the profits, and the publishing company gets the other 
Nice. Yeah. So it's only it only costs three bucks unless you have uh, Kindle Unlimited, then it's free. Mm-hmm. But um, it's I get like I think two ten out of every three dollar book that's sold. So I mean, cool. yeah, it's it's not a bad deal, but you know, people got to buy it. <laughs> Do you think you'll put your other stuff out there? Do you think um, once that happened, I came up with the idea? I think I'm going to make a. I'm going to I'm going to put a book together that has just a bunch of shorts in it okay. and put that out. I think that'll yeah. be more worth because it short y- scripts. Yes, or? short okay. scripts. Because the way it is now, it can only be on digital. You can't print a six-page script and sell it in stores. That doesn't work. Yeah, right. you, it's got to be longer than that. So if I put a, a collection together of short scripts, then I could actually uh, get it printed. Yeah, That's with awesome. the goal to. Uh, have sales. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The goal to have sales, and then maybe someday somebody will pick it up that is, you know, in that area of expertise and say, hey, I like this. I want to make it. And then they can buy the rights from me and make it and do their yeah. thing. Is okay. there an audience of people that like to read scripts as opposed to books? Oh, sure. It's probably screenwriters and yeah. filmmakers. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much it. So they're maybe looking for projects or they're just looking for good examples yeah. of scripts. I think re- Both. doing research and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. or research and writing style yeah. or theme or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. And it's probably good for you because you get your name out there. Yeah. Exactly. Exposure. Yep. What were some of the competitions that you submitted to that you thought gave you maybe really good feedback or um, you know were beneficial or Ones think, with good connections. I think 13 Horror actually gave me the best feedback. Um, because He didn't come out and say that this was awesome. He came out and said, this was good, this was good, this wasn't. You know, so I got some, even though it was it, it, final, it was a finalist, um, I still got some constructive criticism from the judge, which is fantastic. Holly Shorts, that was another one that I submitted it to. Um, it's hard to get feedback from judges on shorts especially ones that are that short um judges don't really tend to take the time to write a whole bunch of uh feedback and send it back for shorts usually they save that for features some of the criticism i got was my dialogue my dialogue was atrocious um i on some of my scripts it was um sorkin will help you with that yeah yeah, yeah. that's half the reason i took that class where do you take you know how do you learn dialogue how, do you find people that you know and think about the way they talk, or do you think about movies you've seen? I mean, how do above. you how do you do that? Seriously, all of the above. Yeah, it really is a culmination. I I've taken so many different writing trainings and read books and things, and they always start with you have to be a people watcher. You have to be out there in the real world, mm-hmm. seeing how people talk, and then after that, that's when you can you know, talk to other writers and actually work on, you know, the format and making yeah. sure that it's all cohesive. Yeah. Because honestly, people in the movies don't really talk the way we talk in real life. Right. Well, they have to, well, it, it has to style. be condensed. You know, you have to, less is more, I imagine, in dialogue. You have to communicate a lot sure. and not too many words unless someone's doing a monologue. Yeah. One of the big ones is show, don't tell. Sure. Don't yeah. try and explain everything. I think that was one of the hard things I had with dialogue and scripts because I, before I started writing scripts, I was writing short stories and um, I had intended to write a novel at one point and so I was used to writing in that format as opposed to script and the dialogue in one versus the other is completely different. In prose or in novel form, you normally get to see inside the character's mind and you're, you're hearing what they think, whereas on the screen you have to translate all of that 
through the dialogue and the action. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a different skill set. So how detailed do your, I don't know what you call them. So you have your dialogue and then you have your notes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's directed toward an actor or if in general it just says, you know, um, Jimmy looks down at his shoes and, you know, contemplates life. Is that what you, is that That's how you do that? That's actually a really interesting um, question because I had a, I had so much trouble with this, but the script is kind of the blueprint for the actor and the director. The idea is that the actor's contribution is to deliver the lines and the action, but then the director's contribution is like putting that all together and giving that direction and action to create the vision of the writer. So it's definitely a, a collaborative effort you should definitely decide on your intentions before you start because as the writer, there's a good chance your vision of the script won't translate on the screen if, if an outside director is involved, unless you write something and direct it yourself in the case of Jim. But I think that's all really important to consider. Well, I, I, Blueprint's a great way to put that because with when you when you write notes on a, on a script, at least is what I've been taught, um, it, it's you write all the notes for all the characters, what the director or what the writer really wants to see um, in each scene. And if you don't plan on directing it, then you have to really detail all those notes because then the actor knows what to do and the director has a guide. They all they both have guidelines. Now you don't want to take away from the creative. Yeah, I've know. heard that so often. Uh, directors and actors complaining about writers who try and include everything right. of what they should be doing and then the actors yeah. and directors are saying well what what am i supposed to bring to right this? you're taking away the creative freedom and that that i think that is the mo- one of the most important elements in a, in a film is the actors being able to just take that guideline and and run with it um, as opposed to having something that's word for word and they have to do it verbatim it's i don't know it, it's it's a very fine it's line it's a balancing between. act yeah yeah it is and i was just curious with the some of the competitions you submitted to were there uh, entry fees associated with them yeah there's always going to be an entry fee um i've had them as little as two dollars and i've had them as much as 50 um it depends on what how big the competition is and some of the competitions are um oscar eligible mm-hmm. um so you can actually submit your your uh, screenplay to those and then they will uh, be considered. Uh, usually they're specific to films, like short films or, or feature length films, but it, it, they, you know, scripts are eligible for that. Um, there's a category for that. Mm-hmm. Like best short script? Uh, best screenplay. Best, best screenplay. Yeah. Um, and while it's all the writers and filmmakers listening, factor that into your budget when you're going to produce. Absolutely. It's definitely worth it to have a couple extra resources set aside specifically to get it out there and get some feedback on it. Yeah. To me, if I can throw one out, um, it would be the Austin Film Festival, uh, which is a really big one. And for an extra $100, they do coverage, um, which to me... So coverage is like really detailed. It's kind of what what Jim was talking about. Um, Like... It was, I think it was 2015 when I did the first draft of Unearth. Um, it was so helpful. It was like seven or eight pages of notes that really like broke everything down, said where my structural problems were. I mean, I would recommend for people that can do it just because they read so many scripts at the Austin Film Festival that they know their shit. So for me, it was like, yeah, I wanted the tough the tough feedback at that point because um, 
you know, before going forward, if mm-hmm. you have some serious problems, uh, it was really beneficial. So I would, I would recommend them. Um, also, Slam Dance has a really good, uh, the Slam Dance Film Festival is really good for competition and feedback. Some of the other ones would be like Page International is a really big one. Blue Page International is big. Uh, there's actually someone from Erie, I think, that uh, w- was a finalist or a semifinalist. Yeah. Um, was it Stella? Yeah, Stella. Oh, yeah. oh really? Yep. Stella is a good friend of the yeah. Greater Erie Film Office, and she has placed in the screenwriting competition at the film office more than once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Those are some really good competitions and festivals and and if you can get coverage um i would recommend as well so jim i guess have you registered your work to protect it absolutely that's a big must um unless you want the chance of your stuff being taken and used and you know having a big fight that way um after you write your script before you send it to any competition make sure you register it um either copyright it register it um I did it through the um, WGA. Okay. Um, Which is just $20. Right. It's not expensive. Writers Guild of America. Writers Guild of America, yes. And you go through WGA West. Right. um, And that basically documents authorship through the WGA. Yes, it proves it's yours. You wrote it. Um, You have to keep renewing that. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot cheaper. It's a good, it's a good option. It's a lot cheaper than actually going and getting it copyrighted. Well, they also recommend that you go to the Library of Congress, which is $35. Mm-hmm. Um, and that documents ownership of the written work. So you have authorship and then ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, so between those two. Well, ha- what happens when you have a script, you've done a copyright, you've registered ownership, and then you make a lot of revisions to it while you're making the film, for example. Does it, is it still covered? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, and you can, you can submit updates to it. Like in the Library of Congress, you can send a new file, like right. a new PDF. Yep. i got to throw this out there. I mean, for, for screenwriters out there that are writing, I mean, I know that when I was writing my screenplays, they were, you know, they were personal because you, know, you write what you know. Um, and when you... You got you got to be able to let go of your scripts if you want to make any sort of money with these things. You got to be able to say, "Okay, I wrote it. Now give it to somebody else so they can do their thing," and not be afraid for that director or producer to just change everything. You know, they still have to buy it from you. You know, so you're making you're making your money that way. But if you're if you want to make it in in the screenwriting industry, you can't be okay. I wrote this. Now I have to direct it. You can do that, but you're not going to make much money that way. And another thing that's really common is if you write a lot of scripts, um, you have the one that's your baby that you want to make yourself, um, but then you might write some other ones that you're okay with passing off and selling. And so I think that's a good way to do it because Mm -hmm. you're still getting some income from your work, and then you're able to put that into the passion part of your work. Absolutely. We should say if you're interested in selling, um, you need an agent or a manager. That would be ideal, yes. Because you can't just send a random email to Warner Brothers and say, hey, here's my (laughs) script. It just doesn't work that way. You could. You won't get very far. (laughs) So how did you guys come about working together, and yeah, how was kind of – you didn't necessarily hand off your baby. I mean, you no. guys worked Well, at the time right? we met, I was pretty new on the, the eerie filmmaking scene, but um, it's when Weekend Films was at its peak, and mm-hmm. so we had a lot of the um, more indie filmmakers in town. We had all come together, and um, 
at that point we we were all helping on each other's projects um, and it was a, a really good synergy and so Jim kind of inserted himself and was like well I have this one it's ready to go uh, and we actually shot it uh, as I mentioned at the beginning um, over a year ago um, we learned a lot from that one uh, it, it was, was a very it was good a, learning it was experience. a great production um, and then Jim he, he contacted me again and said, you know, I'd, I'd love to take another crack at it. And um, In between I, that, you know, I, we, we kind of got to know each other better in, in the filmmaking area. Um, there was a filmmaker in area, Jared uh, Giannone. He had done a, a film called Faces of Terror, and he had asked myself and Jesse and Eric Brown um, to all kind of co-direct this thing. Um, and... So after that, you know, we kind of got an idea of how we, why, how we work in, in that kind of uh, scenario. And so I think that was what made us decide to do Help Me Together. I think that, that film of right Terror there. was one of my most dreaded and also most thankful for things I've ever worked on because it took over a year. Um, so many challenges, but everyone rose up. Absolutely. The end product, I think, is hilarious, and it's on YouTube. It's basically a horror movie about a bunch of teens and all of the famous horror icons like Leatherface and Michael Myers and all those guys. And the script was well done. I mean, you know, Jared Giannone and uh, Robert Fox, they wrote it, and um, it, the script itself was pretty good. Um, the actors did a fantastic job making, you know, their characters believable, as believable as they could with who the villains were. Um, basically, the film is a, uh, it, it's, it's a what if, what, hap- what would happen if you took all the classic horror villains like Freddy and Jason and uh, Jigsaw and you put them all in the same building together and just let them go after these five teenagers. <laughs> it, so you can expect uh, how it turned out. It, yeah. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun to do. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So we're... Where, what's the plan for Help Me? The plan for Help Me is we're going to, uh, Camry is going to broadcast it on their channel um, on, the, on October 25th. After that, I plan on submitting it to uh, uh, as many film festivals as I possibly can. Once that's all done, then it'll be put on YouTube. Because a lot of these competitions, there's another key point, a lot of these competitions, if you put it on YouTube, they won't accept it. So if you're going to do competitions, put it on the competition or submit it to the competitions first. Then put it on social Same thing media. with like Flower with Grant Larson Productions. It it made its way through so many festivals. And one year later, we're just now showing it in Erie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've all been waiting in anticipation. <laughs> well, that's cool. Can't wait to see Help Me, guys, yeah. on the TV. Yeah, right yeah. from the comfort of your own home. <laughs> <laughs> kind of nerve-wracking, but And in HD, right? Yeah, they're HD now. Yep. Yep. Nice. Well, this has been a good chat. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much, Jim. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. We'll have you back. So that's been our episode. You can buy tickets for The Nightingale with Flower and the rest of our programming at filmsocietynwpa.org or at the door the day of the event. Next week, our guests will be some of the people, the creative people behind Erie's big downtown Halloween costume party and Nightmare on State Street. I will say that is a fundraiser 
for the Film Society. It's a blast. We always have a really great time. Um, and the funds that we raise at this fundraiser go directly into our programming. I don't know if everybody knows this, but you know we're all volunteers that, that work here for the Film Society and for GFO, the Greater Area Film Office. So John, Jesse, myself, Stu, um, we put in a lot of time. <laughs> Volunteer-wise, so so we're raising funds for programming, for equipment, for different things that we're working for, and you know we like to support local filmmakers, and so part of the the funds from that are going to go to that. So stay tuned for more info on that. So remember, a nightmare on State Street. That's on October 25th. You can get tickets for it on our website. On October 28th, our episode will feature award-winning filmmaker Brad Petulo. So make sure you follow us on social media, and you'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Grain. This podcast is produced by Edinburgh University Center for Branding and Strategic Communication. It's part of the Northwest Pennsylvania Innovation Beehive Network.